0: have a crack is yes, you know oh i think
1: Filthy Shambles, season three, episode nine. I am joined by Mr. Adam Nathan. Hello, Adam. How you doing, mate? I'm really, really well. How are you? Well, I was just saying before we started started to record that um, I'm I'm buzzing to record this because it's season's proper properly started now, and we've got some good content to, to, to dive into. Lots to talk about. All positive. Yeah, even the critical things are 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 good to to deep dive on because one of the big things after the game was was Postacoglu's comments. Like he he's such a good talker. I know we're gonna hear <laughs> we're gonna hear a lot from him, and we're gonna keep repeating the same thing. But it's just the way that he he's he's happy with the result. However, you know he talks about. Where we need to improve, and and the the areas of the pitch where we we need to to sharpen up, and you know he he mentioned how players have to fit in gradually, and it's about them being coachable, and all these all these really again they sound really basic things that every football club and every manager needs to handle when they're looking at their squad and preparing for games, but again we have been so drained of. Um, I've just been connected, tethered to a journey of some kind, and it, it does feel like we're on a journey now. Very early days; we've just literally left uh, the, the the driveway. Um, a long way to go, but let, let's let's just go back to the start. Um, Man United at home; they they didn't look too good at Wolves. That kind of gave me a bit of confidence. Um, how did you think the game went? Considering that, again, Ange made a couple of changes, right? He brought. Porro in, he bought Sar in. I they turned out to be really good decisions, and he's he's obviously going to have to work quite hard to to decide on who is his first choice players. But what was your what was your your take on the team before kickoff?
0: I um I assumed he would just go in with the same team that played last week, which you know maybe that's because we're so tuned to managers that have their teams and stick with them through thick and thin, regardless. Um, so it was interesting to see a couple of changes. And I think in hind, well, at the start I said, well, it kind of makes sense to have SAR as a protector for Porro almost, because you would assume that Porro would go forward a bit mm. more than Emerson was not as good at the back. And then you'd need the legs of Sar to cover inside of Porro. You know, if, if that right back gap opened up, like it did a couple of times yeah. quite badly against Brentford, um, as it happens, Saar didn't really need to do much protecting at all and it was his work going the other way that was so promising, albeit he did make a few really good challenges um, in front of the dugout in the second half as a, as a kind of auxiliary second right-back. Um, I mean, the, the team selection made perfect sense, I, I suppose, in how you look at it. He he obviously has his, his way he wants to play and it wouldn't stun me if he thought that was his best 11. Um hmm. For whatever reason, he didn't go with it against Brentford, maybe physicality uh, set pieces with Emerson and Emerson played really well against Brentford skip, maybe not as influential as you would have hoped, but um, it was interesting to see two quite big changes off the back of what we all thought was a good performance, but it clearly worked unbelievably
1: well. Yeah, no, it did. The first half an hour though was, um, I mean, I, I was at the game and obviously, you know, Man United did come at us that they, they did create chances they 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 did have the potential to to score on another day you know maybe a bit more focus and concentration some of their decision making wasn't um elite uh very thankful for that but that's football right you just take your chances if you don't you get punished for not taking them and that's exactly what we did to them but did you have concerns in the opening half an hour or so uh, just in, in, in the way the game was flowing, because we had patches, but it was United that were really pressing more than we were. And then half-time, obviously, whatever was said in that dressing room switched the tempo of the game completely. Yeah, I
0: thought United were fine. There, there seems to be this narrative that Spurs are the luckiest team in football history to get to half-time at nil nil. I didn't really see it that way at all. Mm. Um, obviously, they missed a couple of chances, but... You know, Poro hit the bar. That was followed by a ball ricocheting off the post. Um, Onana made a good save from Saar running through. And I thought Kulisevsky had three or four opportunities in a 1v1 situation to do a lot better than he did. I think he would end up winning two corners and having two pretty weak shots on target. He's, not, of
1: which. he's not quite up to the levels that we know he's capable of. Yeah, not yet. Um yeah.
0: And so I, I thought Spurs looked nervous for the first 20 minutes, but that's understandable. You know, The, the team was so young. It was their first time playing, well, for the, a lot of them, playing a proper game in that stadium. And let's be honest, that stadium properly showed out before the game. Um, and whilst it created an amazing atmosphere with the Tifo and the drum and the trumpeter leading the song, it wouldn't stun me if it took a few players, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get over the, like, shit, this is... This is proper. You know, I'm at a proper club here. Um, and just to work that rust off a little bit, you know, even someone like Pesuma, um wouldn't have experienced anything like that playing for Spurs, really, because the only times he started games were at the back end of last season when no one gave a shit. Um, so it, it just struck me as a, t- as a classic game of football where the away team, who had played so badly on Monday night, was stunted into action and, and you know, couldn't play any worse than they did in their last game and started okay... But as soon as Spurs settled down, I thought we were in complete control of the game from probably the 25th minute onwards with the caveat that Maynard had a few chances. But we've become so attuned to this idea over the last few few years of if the opposition have a shot, then it's DEFCON 1. But that's not how football is now. You know, Arsenal give up chances, but they just score more. And Man City give up chances... Callum Wilson could have could have done a lot better with an opportunity against Man City, but I don't think these teams worry too much about giving up the odd chance. I think that's just sort of part of the the way in which football is now. That you know, if you attack, you will give up a bit more at the back, but you hope mm. that you attack well enough to mitigate that. And and if Spurs play like that every week, you know, we'll we'll win
1: loads more games than we lose just just because we've got better players. This is it. This has been the main complaint in the last few seasons that we have players that on the front foot can punish most of the teams in the Premier League. Obviously, the standard in the Premier League, I think, is quite you know mid-table upwards. There's you know the quality is quite close with, with with a group of teams. Obviously, the higher you get, you know, the likes of Man City and unfortunately the the Swamp people from down the road, you know, have a little a lot more quality than maybe the teams below 7th, uh, 8th and 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 the rest of the league. Um, but Spurs have always had that potential and that capacity to do so much more. We're, we're kind of seeing, you know, we're seeing Postacoglu work with this group of players and making those changes and, and trying to coach these players into into not just moving and passing, but like you mentioned, you know, the the, the pr- protecting each other in a way where you can actually point at it and say, well, it's not quite an automation, but it's a it's a discipline and it's a, it's a responsibility. Whereas if you look back at Conte's football and this this emphasis on on um, automations, often you, you could only talk about them, you didn't actually see them in practice. And and the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is because I just want to ask you about the whole inverted fullbacks uh, system. You know, the way that players do cover the full-backs if they do push forward. And it's how much better how much better is it than the actual wing-backs that we had? Now, I know Spurs famously had wing-backs under a certain Argentinian manager. And, you know, we're, we're definitely evolving towards what Ange wants us to look like and work as defensively and transitioning from defence midfield attack. But I quite like these inverted full-backs. And I quite like the way... The team is set up at the minute. Again, very early, you know, feet on ground. But did you have any insight on that? Anything that's kind of the, 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 anything that you wanted to pick out um, and amplify in, in terms of uh, the, the defense, the way that it's set up at the moment?
0: Um, I saw quite an interesting pitch map. Um, get me, sort of you know, stats man. Now um, this morning about the the way in which the team were generally set up, and it looked mm-hmm. very much like you had two centre-halves, and then in a, a line, line of three players, which was Basuma in the middle, uh, and the two wing-backs outside, and then, I think, three central players. I don't know. Can't count to ten. Um, but e- e- either way, the most important thing was that it's, it's two centre-halves and then a line of three with the you know the nominal holding midfielder and two wing-backs. And the thing that strikes me more than anything is that last year, uh, and actually I felt this watching England women in the World Cup final yesterday, funnily mm-hmm. enough, in that first half, they had an extra player just stuck in defence that wasn't helping them at all defend any better than they would have done with one fewer player. But they massively missed that player in the attacking positions when you right. really needed an extra yeah. body. And how often did we say that last year, watching Conte Spurs, that you know, you got these three wanker centre halves um that are either getting in each other's way or making mistakes or inviting pressure. And then when we do get the ball, we haven't got enough bodies up front to to capitalise. And yeah. Just having that extra player going forward for Spurs, whether it was, you know, whether it's the wing backs that made the difference or the third central midfielder or um you know three proper forwards playing, it just made such a difference having the extra bodies there. Uh, and you know football's not that difficult a game, um, I don't think. And just having the extra bodies in attacking positions as long as your defence is drilled and your team is drilled to know what to do without the ball, um, it just made an, an immeasurable difference. I thought to how, how we played. There was all you know, the first pass was always forward. The, the spare man was always forward, as opposed to the spare man always being backwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how often last year did Kulisevsky, for example, have the ball and in three passes it was ended up back at larisse's feet because the spare man was always back backwards. Yeah, I don't, th- yeah. I, I don't think that happened much at all. On, on Sunday, on Saturday, the intention was always get it, play forward, get it, play forward, and that, that's what we want to see, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to recover from 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 back for, for back Conte the way that I did, even when the football was turgid. I can remember famously coming um, uh, where where was I? I was going into Tottenham Hale, I think, uh, on the way back from a game that we had just about won. And uh, me and and T from the Fighting Cock were talking about the game, and some guy walked past us, and I don't even know whether he had been at the game. It felt like he had been coming from he had come from a different train station. He would seen it, and he he made a comment saying, "Yeah, but the football wasn't any good." And I got really defensive about that, like as if hmm. to say, "No, let, you know, just we're, we're winning games. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We've no real evidence of, and it, and it goes it goes so against." how I feel about football, especially the back in the last season where I just wanted to feel something positive and enjoy football again as a basic entry level expectation before worrying about all the other things that come with, you know, supporting the team that should be challenging and and, and contending and the rest of it. Now we're actually seeing, and we, we get to the, we get to the support and the atmosphere in the stadium later but it, 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 I've got a lot to say about it off the back of just having a manager that's far more progressive and far more in tune with what we want and, and what works best for, for the club. Let's go back. Oop, just smacked my mic. Let's go back to the second half um, because we came out and it felt like there was a lot more energy. There was a lot more. Um, not that there wasn't energy and purpose in the first half, but it felt it felt like we went up a level. You know, and it's just this extra bit of aggression and the press and the block, and just, you know, there, there were moments in that game. Obviously, we, we, um, we, we, I'm jumping ahead again here now, but we went 1 0 up and we were kind of looking. I kept thinking, if we score again, it's done. And mm. it was like a 10, 15 minute period where it was just re- the patterns of play and the, the build up. It was relentlessly like it was almost the same type of pattern of play over and over again, and it was. It was so good to, to see, so good for us to retain that pressure and boss that midfield and come forward. And we couldn't just, we couldn't quite grab that second until we did. Um, I'll, I'll, Adam, I mean, I, I just want you to kind of wax lyrical about it because I, I was so impressed with just the way we just thought, you know what? It's only Man United. Let's just, let's just, let's just crack this open early doors and let's consolidate. And, and, took a while, but we did it, and we did it with a bit of style.
0: Yeah, the only sad thing about Saturday was um, that clip that's going around a lot of Basuma, nutmegging Casemiro to Sun, who then danced past two or three players and had a shot that got blocked. I think if that would have gone in to make it 2-0 on about 7 minutes, yeah. the, the place would have come down. It it, it would have been absolute
1: that carnage. was the moment my brain was going back to, because it was such a, a brilliant... Collective, fluid, very kind of natural, um, you know, uh, passage of play. And it was Son, we'll get to the players shortly as well, but Son should have pulled the trigger a little bit earlier, but it's fine. Hmm. We're playing football again.
0: Just back on the sort of the style of play thing, I remember last year, I think we had the discussion a couple of times where I was asking, you know, when players, when th- things aren't going right on the pitch, is that because we should blame the manager, or should we expect the players to be able to sort of self-diagnose and work out what's going on? They're professional players. You would like to think they can, they can see what's happening. Um, and one thing that struck me on Saturday is you know I watch a lot of NFL, and in the NFL, if you know you've obviously got your your pass, your thrower, your catchers, and the people that are defending the catch for want of a you know more obvious definition if one of the defenders of a catch isn't good, the quarterback right. just throws at him and at him and at him and at him until the defensive team do something to stop it and make you move somewhere else. Ooh, and okay. there was a little bit about that with Spurs on Saturday, I thought, that we just kept peppering that area between the right back and centre half and Casemiro and just building those little triangles between Udagi and Sun and Madison and Basuma, I guess, to make a square. And we just did it and did it and did it and did it until they had to change something. And then we just shifted to the other side a bit. And I I thought that was such a positive thing to watch Spurs dominate a battle, make the opposition change to what we were doing, and Mm. then, okay, well, we'll change now. And, you know, I thought all three substitutions that he made were batshit. But they, (laughs) they worked in the sense that it was his reaction to United's reaction, and it kept us in control of the game. Yeah. And I think if I have a takeaway, oh, there's loads of takeaways from Saturday, but if it's something that you can cling to and say, well, look, I hope that's the kind of thing that we can look at going forward as a positive, the way which Spurs were able to diagnose both from the coaching side of things and on the pitch, you know, where the weak spots are and just play at them and, and don't give up and just be relentless with it. I thought that was really great. And, and that's the thing i maybe enjoyed the most about the second half. That it was, it was proper foot on, you know, we put our foot on their throats. Um Yeah. And it could have easily have been four or five when it was said and done.
1: Yeah, I mean, completely agree. And it's something that you said there. It's it's so, much, it's just so much more enjoyable. Again, when 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 you are you are in real time uh, curating the the narrative of the game that you're controlling the tempo. You're not sitting back and waiting and trying to counter. You know, and we might need that in our, in you know, we might need that as an option, you know, in certain games, no doubt we need to adapt and ad- adjust certain tactics. But to be able to go out there and, you know, maybe not bully teams, we didn't, I don't think we bullied United, I think we bullied United in patches. There was patches. a period where
0: we did, for yeah. half an hour, I thought, it- between about... 45 and 75 it was it was bully ball
1: yeah it was it was it was was that period of time where like as we've discussed we could have could have scored a second or or looked to score a a second to just really bury them at that point And, and obviously got a bit nervous after that but we did find that that second before um I mean, just in terms of uh, the—I mean—anything you wanted to say about the the actual the two goals that the, that were scored? Because I, I wanted to ask you about the penalty that United supposedly—well, uh, mo- they're still moaning about now—the <laughs> the, the, the the penalty they were supposedly um, uh, should have been given. Uh, because someone's just kind of sent me a message saying there's a new rule about um, if it's a reaction rule that if you are. T- if the ball's so close to you that you do not have time to react, then they won't give the penalty. Which is try- my first reaction, and I think yeah.
0: if we think about football fifteen twenty years ago, we would have just said too close, move on.
1: Yeah, it, but that, that's that's logical, right? That's another. That's just another logical thing. There's, there's so many. Uh, I don't want to get in a conversation about VAR and the rest of it. There's, there's so much ambiguity around the rules, and then the way that the technology is translating those rules via uh, the guys in the room and the referee, who seems to be sometimes reactive to, you know, oh VAR want me to watch it on the screen? I'm probably going to change my mind here, <laughs> and and you know, do you know what I mean? It's 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 it feels like there's. There's just there's a flow chart if 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 you go this way, go down and and it, rather than it being just common sense, I didn't think it was a penalty, um uh, but then again, I had to wait until I got home to watch it again to actually watch it and see it, and I was like,, mm, I mean they get given, but now if this is a rule, then fair enough, I mean that explains but why are we hearing about it now and not maybe earlier i don't I don't know this is. This is about football. It's just this, this unnecessary noise around most of these things. But um, did you have anything to sh- to share about the pen? Was there anything else that, that stuck out in terms of uh, the, the, the the officiating during the game?
0: Not really. I mean, Bruno Fernandez said, I want to see if John Moss also comes to apologise to our dressing room like they said he did to the manager of Wolves. So I guess the thing I really hope is that he's actually still... Sitting in the away dressing room at <laughs> what, at the Tottenham Stadium, <laughs> waiting for John Moss to come in,
1: still in like, his kit. Yeah, still in his yet. kit.
0: I mean, you hope he's got some sort of battery pack with him to keep his phone charged. Um, you know, Eric Ten Hag maybe has come back and said, "Look, Bruno, come on, we've got to go back. We've got training." No, no, I'm sitting here. I'm going to wait for John Moss. Um, that that's the only thing that that's my main takeaway. That I really hope that there's still some sort of Mexican Mexican standoff going on from Bruno sat there um in in the away dressing room uh, maybe maybe some of the anyone on doing a stadium tour today can let us know if there's a Portuguese twat sat in one of the dressing rooms and, the, and let the, us know. The,
1: the, the the amount the the amount of decisions uh that have gone against us against man united over the years i mean I know. They, they, we should release another opus just just based on 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 the decision making of the referee but anyway uh sorry Bruno mate just uh, try your eyes out um the two goals and anything you wanted to because I, I, I really want to go into the players to be fair, but um, and any any highlights from from the the two 0 in terms of the back of the ball, rolling past the line. Uh, so
0: my mate and I have got this thing where like if you're a winger and you cut the ball back to a penal to the penalty spot a hundred times out of a hundred it'll end in a goal. Uh, obviously, that's not exactly maths and or science scientifically true but if we assume that to be the case and having really slated Kulusevsky for only manifesting two corners out of two really good crossing positions in the first half um we did make a point that as soon as he cut the ball back to the penalty spot that ended in Papsar's goal albeit off the off the back of a little ricochet um and uh yeah so I I think that's going to be the kind of thing and, and watching Postacoglu's Celtic clips that come up it does seem to be a lot a lot of the pullbacks from the byline to someone standing on the penalty spot or 10 yards out that that brought so much so you know so many goals for them so that that was good to see quite weird from my angle where i was sat because the ball only hit the roof of the net which is quite a weird thing Hmm. um couldn't quite work out what happened um and so it took like a half half a second to celebrate it and then the second goal uh was just a a bit bizarre but it, it does say a lot that if you if you're the team that puts so much pressure on the opposition defense um you know eventually they'll make a mistake and just hoof yeah. one into their
1: into their own net like lisandro did well the thing um, is look at us last season like the the, the 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 errors the mistakes being made at the back like opposition teams don't walk away thinking well you know that can we can, can that not count because we feel sorry for Tottenham you know man united we got at them and, you know, the, the, the goals might have not been the cleanest. I mean, I thought Saar's finish was, was fantastic. But mm. um, the second one, I'll take it. Um, yeah, but it stands just, to reason, like, if you make Eric Dyer defend 70
0: times in a game, one of them yeah, is probably going to mess go. up. If you make them defend thirty times a game, maybe die's a bad example there. But you know, even the top defenders make them do more stuff, and they're going to make more mistakes. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's not, football. It's, it's fo- not difficult, is it?
1: Football is literally about punishing mistakes. If everyone played perfectly, the games would be zero zero. You know, if we wouldn't score. The defenders would be on point. It would just be everything would be just boring and bland. Mm. So it's it's just human error. It's fo- footballers' tactics. Put players under pressure. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I mean it's. I'm chuffed. I'm 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 so happy that we got this because it was his first game at the new stadium, front of the home crowd, and uh, and we will get to the atmosphere. But let's talk about some of the players because, again, that that kind of period where we were we were bossing it, I, I, it was just ballers, and it was. You know, where I was in the south stand, uh, because I've moved to to to, um, to the south, uh, like we were all talking about, just like the way Madison you know, his touch, his control, his movement, turning around, finding a player, you know, had a destiny just looking fantastic again. Basuma just is, again, it's so early in the season, but already he's done more (laughs) this season than than he was allowed to do last season. And I don't want to make this into like a a Conte hate hate speech. Um, I don't want to go down that route, but it's, You know, here is the player. This is the player that you had in your possession. You could have had him bossing the midfield and being dynamic and and whatever else. But supposedly he just didn't understand, you know, the very deliberate, constrained uh, tactics and and, and responsibilities. But he's just bossing that midfield. And and it just, with with the news that Bentoncourt could be back soon, at some point in September. I know it's going to take a while for him to really be back Properly, and we'll have to we'll have to see how he looks and how he plays and, and how much of an impact the injury had on him. But I, I'm really, really, really content with our midfield. And, and just to chuck a few names in here as well, and I'll let you just take over. You know, I was impressed with uh, Vacario. Yeah, okay, the shots were relatively straight at him. If you wanted to be quite extreme and, and critical, but he he was reacting quite well. I thought he um I thought he played. Well, I mean, he just looked like a decent goalkeeper and I never thought or worried about him during the, the course of the game. Uh, Mickey had a couple of nervous moments in the early on in, in the game, a couple of little mistakes. Head held high, got on with it. Got better as the game uh, continued. I thought Solomon looked good when he came on, just gave, gave us something a little bit different. Kept that pressure on United. Um, Saar is just... He's going to be special, I think. I think it's an easy prediction to, to make. Um, and also Son is someone, if if you want to kind of let me know how, what, what you think of the, the ballers, but Son, who's still a little bit quiet, but potentially underrated in just, just in terms of what he's doing in his responsibility. I think he's wasted where he is. I think uh, when you think about Richarlison as well, still struggling a little bit to lead to the, the, the line. I just, I think the front three is is definitely a, a massive project, a, a, a work in progress. So I've thrown a lot at you there, mate, but just just, <laughs> just talk about the players um, who stood out for you and, and, and how you're feeling.
0: Yeah, look, the hardest thing to do in football is always going to be to score goals and trying to create a new attacking system without Harry Kane is going to be the hardest thing uh, that Postacoglu has to do, I would have thought. And... From a fan mentality, we've had a unicorn striker for the last 10 years who can literally do all of it by himself. Um, And Richarlison is not that. Uh, He's going to be a player that will hopefully take chances that are created for him and try and hold the ball up. I actually thought he was having his best 15 minutes just before he was taken off. And I was a bit disappointed to see that he did get hooked when he did because I thought he just started to win his battle against Lissandro, played a couple of really good switch passes from left left to right um, to open the game up and and then got taken off. Um, But it's going to be hard because we've got the the benchmark of strikers that we've been lucky to have for the last 10 years is the best striker in the world. And unfortunately, that's always going to be really difficult uh, for for anyone to replicate. You know, if if Gift Orban had come in and played on Saturday. I'm not convinced he would have had a much better game than Richarlison because I think that number nine position is going to be predicated largely on what comes from the wingers. And at, at the moment, that's not quite clicking. However, scored three goals from defenders, one goal from a what we thought was a, a holding midfielder. So, so that's where we sp- spread, spread it out a little bit. I thought Sun occupied players much better than he has done Recently, you know, in the past year, I I suppose with his injury, he didn't even seem like a threat. But he he had that menace about him when he was on the ball, 1v1. Mm. I thought he looked, you know, you know, when you sort of, I mean, you're probably standing now that you're a South Stand massive. But you know, when you're you're sat (laughs) at at a game and you naturally just edge towards the front of your seat when someone's got the ball. Wasn't really doing that much last year with Sun. But I thought there was more of that on Saturday, which is as imperfect a science as you're ever going to like to see, you know, arse position on seat. Um, But I I thought, I thought when son had it, he was naturally more dangerous on Saturday than we'd seen for a while. And look, I think it's going to come, but again, if we're creating 20 shots a game, however we do it, we're going to end up scoring more goals and having more chances just by weight of of overwhelming
1: teams. I just, I just love, you know, the fact that we do have players who are exciting, that we have players that we can identify with. That there's there's personality and this character and there's flair, and there, but there's also um, substance. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Sari isn't just this fancy footwork and, and and the rest of it. He looks composed, and we saw it last season in in, in the few games that Conte did play him. He looked assured, and and, and he's obviously someone who's very mature. Uh, level-headed and and it doesn't get um, doesn't get blown away by the, the the occasion. He's the one doing the the blowing away of the opposition midfield. You know, destiny. I mean, we, we're probably going to be doing this every every week, <laughs> hopefully. But you know, again with Madison, obviously he's he's got a scan. He's on crutches. Could be just precautionary. Hopefully it is. But you know, he's exactly what we've been missing, and he's not. He's different to Eriksen, He's different to Modric. He's different to other creative plays we've had but there's there's a throwback element to him you know he he just we were talking about this after the game there was like a and I'm not comparing him to these players before anyone starts kind of screaming at their um playback of this uh, podcast but he has the hoddles and waddles about him there's just there's and I mean that in is that he is truly that classical tottenham player you know and I it's weird, right? Because when he played for for Leicester, I can remember thinking, oh he's just such an overrated prick," <laughs> because he's good because he was a good player because he, he annoyed me because I knew he was a good player, but I don't think I appreciated him to the level that I do now. And I love how elevated he is. He absolutely he won the title at Leicester, but this is probably a bigger moment for him. Coming, I mean, I, I mean I, I, it's probably not to be. I fair. I don't think he was. But, he wasn't at
0: Leicester in twenty sixteen.
1: He won the FA Cup, but I don't think Oh, he's shit, sorry, to the me. FA Cup. You're right. I, my apologies, got it wrong, the FA Cup. So he's won a cup. At, um, thank you, Adam. Um, it's definitely more bigger than him winning the FA Cup than yeah, coming to, to Tottenham. Winning the league is probably, um, it is, it is, it's probably the pinnacle of anyone's career, <laughs> as hopefully one day we will find out. Uh, but my point being is I don't think I appreciated him. In, in the way that I that we're appreciating him now because we're seeing him for the full night. We're seeing his movement off the ball and obviously his movement on the ball. Um the collective. I mean it is about the collective, you know, it is about, you know, the things that Ange says after games. is great because he's not getting carried away. He knows there's a lot of work to do. We know the front three need work. We you know do we wait for Ivan Tony in January? Um do we buy someone now there there's still things that we're trying to work out between now and the end of the transfer window where are you at with that before we move on because it's got to be quiet there's players that need to leave the club of course um do we need that extra centre back do we need gift Auburn? do you know do, do, should we be active one one or two more times between now and um the closure of the window
0: I um I did like a glass half full glass half empty view on the squad last week and I mm-hmm. think having watched how we played on Saturday and with the understanding that we're not going to have as many games I think you can probably look at the glass half full side of things in which I still think we need one more centre half to cover for Romero or Van de Ven because presumably they're not going to play you know 38 games between them uh oh, sorry 38 games each is just almost no chance that happens um, I think we need another winger because whilst Perisic, Solomon, Gill are players that are contracted to Tottenham Hotspur, uh, if I told you that any of them was going to have to start ten league games in a row, what would your reaction be to that? Yeah, I know
1: we need depth, don't we? We need. Cover. I think we need one we more need, there. To yeah, be honest, we, uh, we just need to we need to ha- not have an excuse. Yeah, you know, and, and I think we need one more. I think we need one
0: more striker, um, because even though I, I actually like Richarlison, I think he will come good, and I think he'll do enough of a job to to be a good player. Um, it's a, you know, again, people say, "Well, Richarlison, if he doesn't play, then Son can play." But if Son plays, then who's the winger? So it's just another reason that you would need you would need probably two wingers in, in that case. So I think two forward players and a centre half is the glass half full of you on the squad, half empty. Um, you might want another centre back to make four. Uh Oof. you might want another attacking midfielder because if Madison doesn't play and if La isn't, you know, good enough to to fill the spot, what do you do there? Um and I thought Vicario played really, really well on Sunday. So that's uh dampened my fears on him a little bit. But um he hasn't convinced me. He or he hadn't convinced me of much. Up until mm. Saturday, let's say, uh, and I thought maybe he was a bit green, but it does appear like he he's someone that is ready to make the step up.
1: I think uh, you know the amount of players that we had making their debut on on, on the you know away to Brentford, and again it be, being so early, being against Man United, there's you know you have to be a bit flexible with your emotions and your analytical uh conc- well I say conclusions or weekly conclusions because everything changes from one to the next, uh, but so far. So good. I, I am. I am obviously nervous because, like, if Madison is out injured, right? If he is, worst case mm-hmm. scenario, it then starts. You know, you start to worry because you're thinking, well, who's the replacement for Madison? How do we, how do we change? How does the system change to have like a creative spark? Especially not having Harry Kane there to drop into midfield and and, and kind of link, link and allow players to to push forward. It, those type of things are going to be interesting because, again, I do feel like this first season is is Ange working out just how much work he needs to do in the short term uh, to protect the short term as we're working through it, but also to um, uh, to, to kind of uh, focus on the on the long term. So, do we need another Madison to come in? Um, but we'll see. I mean, th- th- these are questions that I think will be answered um, in the weeks uh, ahead. Um. so you were you uh, was there anything else actually because I know you said that there was a lot of things that, that you, you took from the game was there anything that you wanted to highlight yourself just uh, just in terms of the football or before yeah. we move on to the atmosphere and the protests and, and other bits and pieces
0: I think we've probably covered all the football stuff because it is you know two games into the season let's be honest without wanting to go get too over exaggerated and, and you know that you know, the world is, is is good again, although that is that is kind of how it feels um, after a big win. I did see, um, what's the, is it Sam Cornish? It takes those amazing photos. From yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I did see a, a, a picture that I loved. There, there was one, there was a picture of the, what would it be? The Southeast corner where SAR celebrated on Saturday. And there was a picture last year that you might remember of just Harry Kane being yes. the only Spurs player in the shot running towards that corner.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh and then Sam took another picture of the team celebrating SARS goal on Saturday, and all ten outfielders were in the picture. And actually they're all in the same amount of grass that was photographed for the Kane picture, if that makes sense, where there mm. was just one Spurs player. And I thought that was quite a poignant, if maybe a touch romantic, view on how last season versus this season might, might be seen, you know, the, the way in which we played, it was it became such a one-man team for a number of reasons and Kane carried us through so much that mm-hmm. I thought it was quite nice, this idea that maybe there's a bit more of a collective um, and the collective responsibility of the players all to step up uh, and actually the fans as well. Like I, I said that it felt quite similar atmospherically to the 2001 game against Man City that we won 1-0 when Kane didn't play. And it was almost like the fans had accepted responsibility that the players might need a bit of help, and we're going to get them over the line for ninety minutes. And the atmosphere on Saturday was incredible. Um, I, I, yeah, it's as good an atmosphere, probably the the best positive atmosphere I've ever had at that stadium. Yeah, the Arsenal game was amazing, but it was it was fueled by absolute hatred of the opposition, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and fire, whereas this was such a positive, confident. Uh, you know, uplifting environment to be in on Saturday that I I, I just thought it was great. Um, and you know, if, if these are the green shoots of the recovery of Tottenham, what we want them to be, I I don't think they could have been much more positive.
1: Yeah, I mean the the um just the noise inside inside the stadium. It wasn't even just during the game; it was before the game when when um after the protest, we we obviously made our way um through uh to uh um the south stand and, and and beaver town inside the stadium and there's just so many people there so much noise so much energy so, so many smiles people were really people were open to looking ahead to the game like because again we've been starved of of those good vibes and those and that positivity that we were open and we were potentially also confident we 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 felt as a fan base Um, that we could get something out of the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. Why not? Why not? Why why not think like that? You don't need to sit there and start trying to to defend your emotions uh, against the potential of of a defeat. I mean, football, you're either going to win, lose or draw. I mean, it's not... It it really isn't that scientific in terms of how you're going to feel after the game. There's there's three possibilities. And even if you win, you might be pissed off about something. And if you lose you might be happy about something. So but but generally the the, the 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 feeling I got when I walked in was ah oh okay. This is this is the thing people don't quite grasp when they're on social media slagging off the supporters that go every game every home mm. game and buy and buy whatever they buy within the stadium. Now, I don't know... Now, I want to be really clear on this. This has got nothing to do with the guys who are involved with Enoch out that do go to games, that are outside the club shop, that were there along with everyone else that turned up for the, the protests. It, it was a good turn up for that. Get to that uh, later. But um, the the once you're inside the stadium, that's when you realise that some of these very angry people on on, on social media that seem, that seem like just intent on just slagging off everything about the club and especially people that go to to games that we're feeding Levy and we're feeding Enoch if you were there if you're the type of person that's that aggressive online but you don't go to games you you genuinely don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about And and, and I'm not again I'm not talking about people that have stopped going because they feel so strongly about ticket prices and the rest because they understand it they get it and they're not they're not people that would go online and be abusive and the rest of it but I guess what my point is and it's a really difficult thing to articulate and it's probably something that's going to take a bit of time not in this podcast but generally because I'm trying to work I'm trying to work through it myself is when you're there you you realize why there isn't that much noise and support for a lot of these movements because people just want to they just want to go and enjoy the football and when they know there's a chance and a possibility that the football's going to be good and that we're going to push towards something, they become even more detached with the whole, you know, don't don't buy seven pound pints and don't eat the food and whatever else. Because the energy inside the ground before the game was was genuinely the best I felt about Spurs for a long, long time. And then the game played out and the atmosphere got better and better. And when we scored that second, fucking hell. I mean you couldn't really you couldn't you can could almost tell through the TV if you rewatch the game you had to be there to to really sample it, to really understand uh, why Levy's going to get away with doing, why the club are going to get away with doing whatever they want to get away with, because this this is the reason the, they, we're, we're so loyal. And 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 yes, there's things that that we need to fight against and not stop fighting against. But at the core of it, when it comes to the football, once you're in there, you, all, all you care about is the football, and if we can if we can grow that atmosphere and, and back this team and this team grows and, and evolves um we could we could match that energy that we had uh, several years back um so i'm 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 yes i'm getting carried away and i don't care <laughs> this is this is how i want to feel adam and I, I just we pay a lot of money to to go to the game obviously there's a lot of political things and i say political it's a diplomatic way of saying the club don't really don't really get us, the supporters, don't really care at the level they should care. And I'm not saying we forget about that. But I am saying that a lot of people will never really connect to the protests and everything else because the football is so much more important. Um were you at the protest by the way? Before I Yeah, I,
0: I um oh you know, I was there for about 10, 15 minutes. What when would it have been? About quarter past four to half past four. And I I thought it was, I thought it was as well turned out as they could probably have hoped for, given that it was largely a social media driven campaign. And we all know about the echo chambers that social media could potentially produce. I mean, some of the, yeah, we've mentioned in the past that there clearly hasn't been the appetite for the other protests that have been discussed on Twitter because no one's turned up to them. Um, But this one, uh, I, I thought it was. Really impressive how many people were there. Um, what what happens next? I don't know. I don't know how you build on that. I don't know if Spurs even give a whatever. Um, yeah. They probably don't, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's the kind of thing that it was written about in The Athletic. It was written about by the majority of the journalists that, that were covering the game in one way or another. And I suppose it's the kind of thing that you hope that one day Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher do an hour on Monday night football about, because I don't think this is really a Spurs issue at all. But I think the Spurs fans and the trust fair play to them are the ones that are getting out ahead of it and trying to, to, to do something. And you can see the Fulham supporters trust and the Man City supporters trust that are trying to get behind it. Yeah. I I suppose the aim is that you try and create some sort of national conversation. Yes. Whether it's governmental or league wide. um, Yeah. I don't think that Spurs are going to end up getting the, prices of tickets change off the back of this and some will see that as a failure of what they're trying to do i i I disagree i think creating the conversation and getting it discussed more mainstream is all you can do at this stage and i i really applaud them for for the work they put in to get the turnout they did on saturday
1: yeah, it was it was a good turn uh, turn up, and um, uh, there, there was one person who I actually unfortunately know, uh, love him to bits, but he was a bit drunk and started singing Anti Levy songs, <laughs> and that kind of encouraged the Enoch out guys to start singing about Levy. Um, but then it, it went back to what it was meant to be about the tickets. I thought some of the chants were, were quite clever. Um, you know, we were there to 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 make a point. Everyone was there to 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 back you know, this particular initiative. And, you, and you're absolutely right. This is a modern football issue. This is something that that has to unite all the fan bases. Um, you know, my mate's a Fulham supporter and, you know, he's seething. You know, and you kind of forget that, that you know, the emphasis is on Spurs because we're, we're Tottenham supporters and, and and everything else that the club do that's always not the right thing to do for us, but the right thing to do for them. I just, I just think, from a general perspective, I don't. I, th- I think it's such a challenge. It's such a hard thing to push for change with, with these guys now, because I think we all know that they just don't. That it, again, to go back to what I'm saying, and this is where I'm having the little wobble, and I'm trying to work things out in my head. Is is once you're in that stadium and you, you experience a game like that. Again, it's not that you're downgrading the other issues or you want to forget about those other issues, but you have thousands of people that will probably look at the protests and think, get a grip, guys, just fucking get on with it. You know? And these are people that do go to every game and have been supporters for years and years and years. Not everybody feels passionate about making change. People just roll with the punches um, until it affects them. And I guess that's probably where the emphasis should be, that at some point it might well affect you. At some point you might not be able to afford the season ticket. And what, then you jump onto the protest bandwagon. You know, Why not just start now and just protect future generations as well? But look, if I don't go and you don't go, someone takes our seat. So it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And for people that seem to think the trust are not doing much, you try doing something. Or come up with a solution of some kind. Being noisy or being ever present outside the stadium, I guess I get. I, I was I've been very critical of that in the past, just because of conversations I've had with people that haven't gone very well, and it's just given me a bad impression of them, and they've probably not thought much of me in in response to it. But I, more is needed, and and these these particular things that we can pick on, like ticket price increases it's something that you can anchor yourself on so to be continued um no doubt we're gonna we're gonna end the normal pod here i do want to go back to the the atmosphere because i want to talk about my move to the south stand um because there was a bit of drama nearly kicked off nearly kicked off in the south stand with me and a few other people um i might be exaggerating a little bit but it was I, i had to be very diplomatic and um so we're going to keep that for the patreon bit along with one or two other bits so thanks for downloading thanks for listening if you want to support me or you want the extended version of this podcast go to spooky uh, in purgatory or via patreon.com and we will catch you again later in the week